2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you would. It's probably the smoke from Canada. I was thinking about that. I'd like to do research. I'd like to find out what laws they passed up there that go against God right before the wildfire started. And what laws we were passing that go against God right when the smoke come down here and polluted our air quality. I was thinking about that today. It rains on the just and on the unjust, you know what I mean? I just wonder sometimes if some of that stuff ain't the judgment of God. You see some of these more wicked states doing a bunch of wicked things and then wildfires burning the whole thing up. And I'll never forget years ago I was flying into California for work. First time ever being there. Went right through major, major wildfires and the way those mountains are situated and where the air moves and stuff, that smoke would just sit there. And going through a cloud, the whole cabin, the color of the cabin just turned orange when we went through that thing. And I thought, man, who, who would want to live out here? That's scary, man. It's wild stuff. I, I just, uh, just boggles my mind. I'm not, well, whatever. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But it boggles my mind. They're all about worshiping Mother Earth and taking care of the planet and all that stuff. And you go out there and walk next to the water, and it stinks like sewage. Filthy dirty. not that weird? Weird how that stuff works, man. It don't make any sense. Anyways, that has nothing to do with the message tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, look at verse number 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. For I, but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not received, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we get into this passage of Scripture. I pray that you'd uh, guide me and direct me, be with my mind, uh, be with my mouth. I pray that you'd help me to bring, uh, bring out these things that I've gone over and studied. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, God. We, we thank you for physical food, and we ask you to bless it to our bodies. Uh, but Lord, I, I want to thank you for spiritual food, and I pray tonight as we get into this that you would come and dine with us, that we would come and dine with you, Lord, and that uh, you would bless the Word of God to our souls, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, if you look at the first phrase in that first verse, he says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly. What it seems to me when I read this, and, and I, I'm, I could be wrong, but, but I, I get the feeling that Paul's a little bit insecure about what he's about to do. Uh, because he says it in such a way, would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. So he's fixing to do something he's obviously not comfortable with. He's, he's fixing to launch into foolishness. And don't forget the reason for this is that some enemies of the truth have snuck into the church and began trying to undermine Paul in his ministry. They come in there trying to kind of pull disciples away after themselves. 
And so Paul's been going through this book and, and you know, in 1 Corinthians, he tore them up. In 2 Corinthians, he'd been kind of complimenting them and thanking God for the way they responded to his rebuke in 1 Corinthians. But now, no sooner do they get right with God and get the fornication out of the church and knock off some of the foolishness and start straightening up in their, in their morality and in their carnality, they start getting some of that out of them and start turning more towards spiritual things, but the devil sends a, a better wave of attack than even what the world sends. Um, this world's going to come after your, the flesh. You know, it's pretty obvious. The world's a very uh, sensual environment. It's a very morally depraved environment. There's more and more of that all the time. You're constantly marketed with it, and your flesh goes after that kind of stuff. But that really is the simpler attacks on your walk with Christ. That's the more basic stuff. When the devil really gets tricky, he starts sending false teachers into the church. When the devil really starts working to get at you and really get you astray, what he does is he comes in in a spiritual sense. And this is what had happened. These guys come in trying to undermine and undercut Paul and his ministry. And Paul's aggravated now by the time you get to chapter 11. You get a sense of his aggravation as you go through here verse by verse. When he's saying this, he's uncomfortable doing what he's about to do. And he says it's foolishness, it's folly. And he says the first part of that verse, he says it in a sense that seems a little bit insecure. Wouldn't to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly. And then watch the switch and indeed bear with me. What I think I see is him saying, I, I, I don't really want to do this. And then the Holy Spirit says, do it. I know this is wrong, and I know this is stupid, I know this stuff is, is shallow, I know this is foolishness, and the Holy Spirit said, go ahead and tell him, boy. And so then he says, and indeed, bear with me. What Paul's fixing to do is give his credentials for the ministry. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is. Because these other guys had come in bragging about their credentials and bragging about their knowledge and trying to show off how much better they know God, know the Bible than Paul and undermine Paul and undermine his ability to speak. And now Paul's like, since you're so obsessed with the outside, let's talk about the outside. You want to talk about credentials for the ministry? You want to look at the man like we talked about last time and you judge things after the outward appearance and since that's so important to you, let's talk about that. Let's, let me tell you my credentials before you go take it off after these false teachers. So he's, he's getting worked up. Look at verse 2. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. How about that? Let me say something real quick. If you're married, you ought to be jealous over each other. My wife and I have been made fun of over the years repeatedly for being so jealous. Well, guess what? We're still married. There's a godly jealousy. You realize that, right? Jealousy is a lot like sorrow. There's a sorrow of the world that worketh death, and there's a godly sorrow as well. Jealousy and envy are not the same thing. Jealousy is a good thing. Now listen, if you're so jealous that you don't have any trust in your marriage, something is definitely wrong. Right? I trust my wife. But yes, I'm jealous and she's jealous. And we don't apologize for it. Not to each other or not to anybody else. Why? Because that's my wife. So Paul was jealous over the church in the same way. He was saying, listen, this is my ministry. 
This is where God sent me. Are ye not my fruit in the Lord? God put me here. I led you to Christ. I started this church. I've been ministering to you. I've been teaching you the Bible. And yes, I'm jealous over you. If I see somebody else coming in trying to flirt with you and trying to date you and trying to seduce you and trying to pull you away, me and that dude have issues and me and you ain't doing very good right now because you ought not be listening to him. You think jealousy is nothing but sin? Go back to Exodus chapter 20. Let me show you something about God. You and I need to understand this. If you're trying to follow God and you love God, you need to understand something about God. Exodus chapter 20, God's a jealous God. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. You know what God said about himself when he's talking to Israel, his people? He said, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. When I see you bowing down to and serving a false God and putting something ahead of me and loving something more than me and obeying something and not obeying me, I'm jealous over that. You're mine. That, that goes all the way down to not obeying your wife. You know how many men don't wind up in the ministry because their wife says, I just didn't want to marry a preacher. Okay, dear, then I won't. God doesn't expect me to lose my family over the ministry. <laughs> if God told you to go in the ministry, you obey God. No matter what. A lot, a lot of people obey their children. Well, we really did like it at first, but our kids weren't happy. If you're a little brat... Drives you out of church. You are a soup sandwich. Ain't no way you should let some kid. Well, I just don't like it there. There's no, nobody's nice to me there. Well, you know, honey, if everybody's mean to you, maybe you don't need to go look in the mirror. Everybody else seems to be able to make friends. You don't, you don't follow your kids around. You follow God. Go to Exodus chapter 34. Look at verse 14. God's jealous over that stuff. Exodus thirty four fourteen. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous. You see the capital J? One of the names of God is Jealous? For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. <laughs> wow. Back to 2 Corinthians 11. So Paul... When he comes in here and says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, he's right in, the, right in the, the, the zone that he needs to be in. He's right in the lane God would have him in. He's right in fellowship with God. And any good God-called pastor or God-called preacher ought to be jealous over his congregation. That's, that's not to become, like I said, there has to be some level of trust, right? I mean, I noticed when I was younger, I tended to be excessively jealous, not just of my wife, but of my church. I tended to be a little bit overreactive sometimes. I've gotten to a point now where I, I trust my church. That's you, by the way. <laughs> I know when I'm gone, if some Yahoo comes in here, good luck. I'm going to hear about it. If they didn't already handle it, then I'm going to hear about it, and I'll be able to handle it when I get back. I'm sure of that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I just kind of roll over and play dead. I'm active. 
I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not okay with somebody coming in here with a stinking agenda. Drives me up a wall. I literally had a pastor one time that was visiting here at a special meeting, literally in front of me, said to one of my people, well, if you ever want to come to a really good church, we're right over in, and oh, I'm just kidding, brother. <laughs> I just stared at him. Yeah, well, I'm not laughing, jerk. And I didn't ever invite him back either. Don't let him know when I'm having meetings or nothing. Why? Because I don't think you're funny. Yeah, why? Because I'm jealous. God put him in my church. That being said, whatever, man. If, if they're going to go, they're going to go, right? So I, I don't have to be overly jealous and like, you know, parent a brother. Now, don't listen to him. No, no, brother. That, that individual is still with us. The guy he said that to is still with us. Why? Well, because he knows where God wants me to be. So it's all good. But that jealousy, that ain't a bad thing. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you. Notice that. It's like, a, it's like a, an, an engagement. I have espoused you to one husband. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, for those of you that are learning about rightly dividing, and every one of you should be, that chaste virgin to Christ is the church. The church is referred to as a wife. She's referred to as a bride. And she's referred to as a chaste virgin. That's not the same as the ten virgins in Matthew 25. That's a different thing. The church is a chaste virgin. So we are the body of Christ, and we are a chaste virgin to be presented to Jesus Christ. So Paul's job as their pastor, Paul's job as their teacher, was to help them, to protect them, to train them, to teach them, to follow Jesus Christ in such a way that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul could present them to the Lord as a chaste virgin. Lord, we got her to the marriage altar. We got her to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We got her to that wedding day, pure and clean, and now she's presented to her, to her groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and here she is. She's right with you. She's clean. She's pure. So his jealousy was not for himself. Paul was not out there trying to make a name for himself. That's why when Paul starts launching into his credentials here, you're going to see he leaves some things out and he focuses on some other things and he's aggravated at having to do this. Paul's like, I don't want to make it about the man. I'm not looking for you all to come around bowing and kissing the ring. I'm not the stinking Pope, man. Uh, That's not what we're doing here. It's not about personalities. It is about Jesus Christ. Paul's obsession was his Savior. Paul even leaves out when he goes through his credentials how the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He doesn't even say, which one of these idiots had God show up and appear to him on the road, knock him off the horse and blind him? Who, Who in here had that? Which one of your teachers was a chosen vessel like me where God picked me out and called me out in a special way? Which one of your teachers sat for three years over where Moses did and got the the New Testament like Moses got the Old Testament? The mystery Which one of these guys has my... He, He leaves all that out. He's so aggravated at having to do this. He's saying the point is not the man. But since you all just are always obsessed with the man all the time, then fine. Since you're pushing me to this position because you're, you're, you're letting these people come in and undermine the authority and undermine God and undermine good doctrine and undermine the man God put here, then, then I'm going to do this just to show you that you need to wake up a little bit. You need to stop being deceived by these guys. Anything they have to offer, I also have. That's what he's saying. Now watch this. Verse 3. 
But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know what scares me about that? The devil is the wisest being that exists outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he's wiser than Daniel. That ought, to, that ought to put the fear of God in you. Not the fear of the devil. That ought to put the fear of God in you. That means that Lucifer can come in and subtly, that, that word subtle means thin, fine, refined, artful, delicate, insinuating, sly, cunning, and crafty. When Lucifer wants to get to a church, he doesn't show up with a crack pipe and say, here, hit this. When Lucifer wants to get to a church, it's not gonna, he's not going to come at us the way he would come at the world because you already know all this stuff. I mean, I can come in here all I want and preach against you know, LGBTQ and all the rest of that stuff, but that's, you're not, that's not what's sitting here. You, you know the Bible, what the Bible teaches about all that stuff. You know how he's going to get at you? Subtly. Artfully. Fine and refined. Well, Paul's awful crude in speech, isn't he? Paul's not very good at speaking. He sure has weighty letters, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. But then when Absalom shows up, Absalom's just beautiful, attractive, charismatic, Knows exactly what to say when, and when he opens the Bible to speak, everybody's like, oh, ooh, ah, oh, that was wonderful. Didn't you feel so good when he spoke? Huh, it's weird. Because most of the time in my Bible, when the Lord shows up, if you study that thing, the angel of the Lord appearing to him in the Old Testament, they didn't feel good. They got struck with horror. Because they're sinful people seeing a holy God. You think that's going to make you feel good? He made me feel so good. Don't you just feel good when you go there? Now, I'm not saying you should always feel bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, it does feel great to have the Lord speak to you and to get right with God and to have sweet fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gr- to be filled with the Spirit of God is a wonderful feeling. I'm saying the feelings don't come ahead of the facts. The feelings are, are the tail, they're not the dog. The feelings come once you get right. Satan shows up subtly like he did with Eve. Yay, hath God said. Positive. And then he plants a doubt in the mind, subtly. Hath God said. Just a question. So what does he do secondly? He's subtle. Number two, he corrupts. He corrupts your mind. From what? From the simplicity that's in Christ. So to corrupt is to entice, to debase, to pollute, to falsify, to falsify, to infect with errors, to defile, to separate the component parts of a body. He starts coming in and just, just corrupting and defiling things, just starts breaking things apart. He starts moving. What's he doing? He's corrupting. Starting to make you think, well, maybe I shouldn't be in this church. Well, you know, I thought it was, but maybe it's not for me. And 
well, I don't know, maybe, maybe the King James Bible is not the Word of God. I don't know, maybe, maybe there are errors in the Bible. It starts corrupting. From what? From simplicity, which is in Christ. you see that at the end of the verse? So the three things he's going to want to do, he's going to be subtle, he wants to corrupt, and he wants to get complicated. Don't complicate your Christian life. You know what complicates the Bible? You ain't never heard nothing more complicated than when a guy says, well, this is an unfortunate rendering. In the originals, what this actually means is, and got to go look up the Hebrew root words and the Greek root words, and, and what that actually means. Like, oh, now I'm like, wait a minute, what? Well, to try, start trying to look up Greek words. Or you can just trust God that when he promised you he'd preserve it from this generation forever, that he did and you got the perfect words of God in your lap. It's simple. Well, I just don't know how you can believe that. I don't know how you believe you're here. You're here, right? God spoke the world into existence, right? That's easier to believe than evolution is. That's complicated, man. It's simple. The truth is simple. Truth is not hard to understand. It's just hard to believe when you've got a dirty heart. Oh, uh, what that is, is that's an allegory. It's not, doesn't, nothing about that says it's an allegory. It says 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, Jewish male virgins. That's the 144,000. They're Jewish, they're male, and they're virgins. There's 144,000 of them because there's 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes. What is that? What about that's an allegory? Hell opens up and some mutated beasts come out. Oh, that's a picture. That's a type. That's an allegory. Okay, so what's it an allegory of? If we're all just like making pictures and parables out of stuff, then how do we know we're right? It gets really complicated. Or you can just be simple like the Lord said and believe him when he says in the tribulation period, hell's going to open up and mutated beasts are coming out of the pit. That's what's actually going to happen. It's very simple. Well, there's parables in the Bible. When you come to a parable in the Bible... He says, and he spake a parable unto them. And then it's a parable. Well, there's a lot of allegories. I know. Because he says, it is like, and then he gives you the allegory. As, like here, here you go, in Acts, uh, Acts 2. Uh, the, the, the Spirit of God came down with cloven tongues like as of fire. Cloven tongues of fire. It's never said cloven tongues of fire. Somebody said to me one time, you know, we were going through a little bit of a sticky time in our life, and they said, bro, that's the baptism of fire. I said, man, I ain't going to hell. Huh? I'm not going to hell. What do you mean, brother? The baptism of fire is being immersed in fire. I'm not going to hell. What are you talking about? Well, the Spirit of God come down the cloven tongues like as of fire. Yeah, like as. You know it's a similitude. When God, tell, when, God wants you to, when God gives you a similitude or a parable, he tells you. So if he didn't say it's a parable, it's not a parable. A certain rich man and a certain beggar. The beggar went to Abraham's bosom. The rich man went to hell. And being in torments, he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. It ain't a parable. It's simple. A guy died, one went to hell, the other guy went to Abraham's bosom. The reason he went to Abraham's bosom is Christ hadn't died on the cross yet. And so they went to Abraham's bosom, not like you and I. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, is that really what it means? I had somebody ask me that one time. Are you sure? 
So yeah, Paul said, I'm willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. So it says willing rather. It doesn't say he will. Get out of my face. That's demonic. That's, that's confusion. That's what that is. Getting in your mind and starting to get you all twisted up. You ever have a JW knock on your door and you know you're right and you know they're wrong? And then the more you talk to them, the more confusing it gets and the more frustrated you get and you're frustrated and they're frustrated and you just get this dirty spirit that gets going and you're sitting there all jacked up now. You get, your hands start shaking and you're sweating, but you know you're right. But you haven't been in church long enough to where you know all the verses and you can go over there and just smoke them and make an idiot out of them and shut the door laughing. Like, okay, they didn't want it. You know, if they don't want it, they don't want it. I, I will never stop laughing over telling that woman that was standing at my door, you don't look like a Jewish male virgin to me. And when I saw her face, her face I will never forget her response. Okay, but th- that wasn't like that at first. For a long time when I ran into them, it got confusing And then the devil started planting doubts in my mind. And then I figured out, you know what? The truth is pretty simple. I just need to be faithful to learn my Bible and study and get grounded in the truth. And there is a peace and a calm and a strength. And I, I can't even explain it all that comes with the simplicity that's in Christ. The simplicity of knowing that Bible. But boy, Satan will come in there and try to mess you up. Look at verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, and there's a lot of them, folks. There's a lot of Jesuses out there. They'll say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, well, the devil can say that. Remember that girl that was in into witchcraft following Paul around for days and saying, these men showing you the way of the Most High God, and he turns around and rebukes her. She was saying all the right things in a demonic spirit. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus freaks. You know, they write these movies, and what they are is they're glorified hippies. And they call themselves Jesus freaks. There's all kinds of Jesuses out there. Jesus that you see in the art galleries with long red hair, long, skinny, effeminate fingers, pale, ghostly white skin. Like he was some kind of a Japhethite. He was a Jew. And I'm trying not to be mean tonight, but I'm not feeling great. I want to say he was a Jew, stupid. But I don't want to say that because I'm trying to be nice. You know, I got to be pastoral. He, the, the, Solomon explains him. He had black, bushy hair. He had brown eyes. He had darker skin. He was a Jew. There's all kinds of Jesuses out there now. All kinds of guys representing Jesus. Or if you receive another spirit. Oops. There's all kinds of, I just felt the spirit. What spirit? What are we talking about? Well, it just felt good. Yeah, Satan's subtle. So if he wants to get you on the wrong spirit... He's going to make sure it feels good. Satan's not going to show up like with the, you know, with, with horns and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a forked tail and a pitchfork. Demonic spirit hits you and you're like, oh, that was horrible, scared me to death. You'll go running straight to God. So he shows up in church subtly, corrupting the truth, confusing the truth with another Jesus 
And you think, oh, it's, oh, that was good. It was all about Jesus. And another spirit. You ever notice the connection of spirit with music? Like we talked about Sunday morning. You go sit in church and they're up there. It's a rock concert with the lights off. And then you're saying it's men love darkness rather than lights because their deeds are evil. Right? Well, why would you want to sit in a dark environment? I mean, if we're supposed to be opening the Bible and learning the word of God and, and confirming the truth of what the man's telling us, then turn the lights on. Everybody open your phones. <laughs> it's another spirit. I'm telling you, it's another spirit. It's not the right spirit. Which ye have not received or another gospel, which ye have not accepted. Ye might well bear with him. Sarcasm. Paul's being sarcastic. I told you, when it comes down to this chapter, Paul's upset. Now watch this. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. Now, this is not the same testimony that Paul gives of himself if you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Go look at it real quick. Paul is not happy about this. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you. He don't like being in this position. This is one of those messages you preach and then you go home and you try to lay down dead dog tired and, and I can't sleep because you're sitting there second guessing yourself and praying and oh Lord, I sure hope I didn't mess that up. I sure hope I did the right thing. God, I sure didn't like talking like that. I'm not 100% sure I was on, on the right track there and I was kind of upset and was I right to be upset or wrong to be upset? I mean, Jesus got angry, right? But sure don't want to let my emotions get in the way of the preaching and, and he's just probably all tore up after, after, after a chapter like this. But when you look at Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 12. <clears throat> I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. You know what he said, first of all? Not even capable. I got enabled by Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm not even capable of doing what I do. That's Paul's testimony. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth a long suffering, all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. That is Paul's testimony of himself. He said, I'm not even able. The Lord enabled me. The Lord put me in the ministry, taking me from being somebody that was destroying the church and injurious and a blasphemer and a horrible person because I was ignorant in unbelief. That's what I was. And then the Lord put me in the ministry who I'm the chiefest of sinners. That's what Paul said about himself. And the Holy Spirit of God, I testified to that and said, put that in the inspired words of God that you're the chief of sinners. Okay, Lord, perfect words of God. You and I can't, I'm like, Paul, brother, I'm the chiefest of sinners. No! The inspired word of God, Paul said, I was the chiefest of sinners, and here's what God was doing, taking me, a man that was anti-Christ, persecuting the church, and showed all long-suffering in saving me and putting me here so that forever you guys could all look and see that I'm a pattern to them that should believe on him to life after life. If Jesus can save and use me, he can use any one of you and save any one of you. That's what Paul's saying. 
back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. That is a very different message than you see in verse number 5. He's saying, you clowns want to look at everything after a man, judging by the outward appearance. So since you think that stuff is so important, let's look at my human credentials then. He's upset, man. I'm telling you, he's upset when he's writing this. But though I be rude in speech, he's rough. Paul is rough, yet not in knowledge. Nowadays, people get real hard on preachers that preach hard. They think that if you say, Jesus Christ was a Jew, stupid. Like, oh, did you, a preacher shouldn't talk like that in the pulpit. Okay, I'm sorry that I'm rude in speech, but I'm in good company. <laughs> and nowadays, all these people want to go listen to some guy tickle their ears, some little effeminate, you know, sweet little loving, subtle, gentle, kind Fraud love. It's fraud love. I mean, if I, if I survive, I pay my bills and eat my food. I put clothes on my back and take care of my family based on this ministry. And I'm willing to offend you, giving you the truth anyways. How can you honestly find fault with that? How come nobody sits there in some of these churches and says, this guy just wants my money? He's so paranoid about offending people. He just wants to pack this thing out. How come nobody does that? Like, preacher, you better soften up. We're doing a building project and we're going to have a loan for the first time ever. Well, God let us to do it, so God's going to pay for it. We're not softening up. Paul was rude in speech. He said, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. So these guys come along with the smooth speech, the fair speeches, right? Good words and fair speeches. And they think, oh, he's so educated. He uses all the big words. Soteriology. I want to preach to you this morning on the doctrine of soteriology. I want to give you our eschatological view of the word of God. They're 25 cent words. It means salvation, end times. It's it's. It's, it's like a joke. I remember sitting in, in the big college, the box college, the big box Bible college, in class, sitting there like, that's just so stupid that I have to go memorize all these big words for nothing. I already know all those big words. We could just say salvation. Why can't we just say salvation? Why can't we just say the Spirit of God? Numos. You're an idiot, man. This is so dorky to me. It was dorky to me. I'm sorry. I was just like, you're a dork. You know? I mean, go, go become a physicist if you're really a genius. Like, go be a brain surgeon. Go get a regular job. But you get into theological seminary and try to make up all these big fancy words to sound smart. That means nothing to the average guy. It means absolutely nothing. It means nothing to the tatted up dude that, you know, is stinking trying to get off heroin. And I want to reach those guys. You understand what I'm saying? It means nothing to the single mom trying to raise her kids without a husband. It means nothing to the old widow who lost her husband and needs some comfort from God help in the, the real world. It means nothing to a man trying to make his way in the world, pay his bills and raise his kids and love his wife and get through life one day. That stuff means nothing to the average person. But for some reason, when they go sit in church, that's what they want. It's not helping you. It's not feeding your soul. He said, though I be rude in speech, I'm not stupid. I could go do what these guys do. Notice, Paul does not mention, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. 
He's not focusing on his upbringing. He's not giving him all of his credentials. He's just saying, look, though I be rude in speech, don't judge me that I'm stupid. I'm not stupid. And he was brilliant. But he didn't want to go around bragging about it. When a guy always wants you to know how smart he is, you need to get away from him. He's an idiot. His IQ is 180. He's an idiot. Because people don't really care how much you know till they know how much you care. And when he's always trying to show off how much Bible knowledge he has, he's an idiot. But we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. In other words, look, man, my credentials are my life. Thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted? He said, I'm not over there lording it over you. I'm not trying to make you all look at me and stare at me and strut around like I'm the big dog. I've abased myself, not abused my power, not promoted my position, not tried to give myself a name and a reputation off the ministry. I, I, I purposely put myself down to lift Jesus Christ up so that you folks can get help from Jesus Christ and not get a personality in the way. Because I preached unto you the gospel of God freely. Watch this. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. You know what he's talking about? Money. The Corinthian church was a rich church. Paul didn't mean he went in there and put a gun in the faces of the treasurer and ran off with the offerings. He means I wasn't doing anything for them. I was serving you. And those poor churches in Macedonia were sending me money to support me. It was, I was at Acts 18, I think it was. He worked with Aquila and Priscilla the first time he went to Corinth and then and made tents with his own hands. Corinthian church, the richest church, didn't give him a dime. Second time he comes through, he takes money from Macedonia to support his ministry. Didn't take a dime from the Corinthian church. He said, I have proved myself to you that I'm not after your money and I'm not promoting myself. Why are you listening to these guys that are after your money? To be honest with you, if I ever perceive a guy come preach, gets a good love offering, wants to come back, based on that, they don't come back. If I bring them back in, it's because you know, go ahead and give to them. If I think somebody's trying to use my ministry and my church to, to fatten their pocket or to pay their bills, that ain't working for me. Sorry. Paul had that spirit. He's like, you know what? I wasn't, I don't care. I'm not looking at, I'm not coming after your money. And he knew they were the richest ones. Do you know how many millionaires we have in our church? Do I give a flip? (laughs) What's that got to do with the truth? He loved those people and wanted the best for them, even though they had money and didn't care about their money. What an example, man. What a, I think he's, I personally think it's my opinion. I think he was the greatest Christian in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul. All these guys go around nowadays bragging about a Pauline ministry. They, you know, let's look. They, they ain't got it. Verse 9. When I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. Means I needed stuff and I didn't ask you for anything. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I've kept myself from being burdensome to you, unto you. And so will I keep myself. We already commented on that. Verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth, 
But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them, which desire occasion wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. So here's what he's saying. What I've done before, I'm going to keep doing. Why? I'm going to keep boasting on not taking your money, not coming after your money. Why? Because I'm setting up those other guys that come in here and want your money. You see it? I'm cutting off occasion from them where they come in, they're glorying. Let them then, if this, this guy really loves you, he really, he really cares about you having the truth and that Paul, he's just leading you all astray and his doctrine is so messed up. Is that the case? That, that this guy really cares about you. Okay, then let him live like I've lived. If he really cares, then walk in my steps. <laughs> Where'd they go? Where is he? Watch how fast they shoot out the door. I've said to them multiple times when they come in here, look them straight in the face and they want to start arguing with me. And The Lord sent us here. This is, this is one I get fairly often. God sent me here because I have a gift with music. Okay, well, we got a pianist. I know you obviously think you're better because you said that after our song service. So you obviously think you're better than our pianist. And that didn't go over very good with me because that's my little girl. <laughs> Stupid. Dumb. Bad move. That's what, that's what I get a lot of. God sent me here to be a blessing. They literally want to walk in the door and they want the platform. You just, you, just, you just showed who you are. Okay. You want it? Why don't you walk in the footsteps of some of these other guys? We got a nursery downstairs. No, gentlemen, you're not working the nursery. Okay? If you ask, you're a weirdo. You're suspect. Got it? Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. It's just some stuff we do not put up with. I'm a girl dad, right? We got a lot of little kids around here. Anyways, why don't you get on the cleaning list? Wipe some toilets. You want to serve. They don't want the pulpit. Well, let, let, them, let them live like Paul lived. Why don't you earn your stripes? It doesn't matter if you can do it better. It doesn't matter if you're a better speaker. It doesn't matter if you got all these credentials. That doesn't matter. Get in line. Go through it like everybody else does. Always a problem, and it never works out well when you jump the system, jump the process. It just doesn't work out. Verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. See how he works? And no marvel. doesn't shock us. Why? For Satan himself is transformed into, his, into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. You know what he's saying? Don't shock me at all. When they come in here claiming to be ministers of Christ. It's funny to me how they always have to mention how much money they've got or they always mention their credentials. I've told them repeatedly, look, man. And I remember saying to one guy, go hang your shingle out. There's all kinds of storefronts in town. Go get one. I don't have the money. I didn't either. If you know it all, then go start a church. It's a free country. But don't come in here and try to tell me what I'm going to do or where I'm wrong or correct me or, or jump everybody else in the place and go all the way to the top and now you think you're here to take over. Over my dead body. 
over my cotton-picking dead body. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Go hang a shingle out. How come nobody? How come you don't have a crew of people asking you to start a church? I didn't just come up here and hang my shingle. People nagged me for about, what was it, three years or five years or something? Nagged me about it. I said to the one guy, I said, if you want a church so bad, find a place for us to meet. I figured I'm good. He called me up. He always called me Mikey Reagan. Hey, Mikey. Mikey. I'm supposed to be, you want me to be your pastor and you call me Mikey Reagan. And he's six foot four and like 250 pounds. Yeah. Hey, Mikey. What? I found a place. Get up here. You got to sign a contract. Like, what? I ain't signing no contract. Yeah, get up here. I drove up from Toledo. I sat down across the desk from a lawyer who owned a, a, a piece of property over there, and he had a place, and he, he's like, yeah, here, you can meet there for a month for free. And I sat there, and I read that fine print, every page of that kind. He was so aggravated. I read every, because I was so scared. I read every piece of fine print of that thing, and it was all just liabilities. I can't sue him stuff. And I signed it, and we had a month free to hold Bible studies in December of 2007, right? So we started in January of 08. December of 2007, we met holding Bible studies for a month place just fell in our lap. And then we held the Bible study, 28 people showed up. And then the second week it was 20-something, and then 20-something, and then the third week it dropped down to like 17 or 18 or 19 or something. But, and I was shocked. So told my wife, all right, we're moving to Michigan. Here it is. Got an apartment, came up there. We're meeting in the house of somebody that was, that was in the church, you know, the little group. And then all the people that came to the Bible studies out of curiosity disappeared, and we had 11 people in a living room. But somebody offered their house. And the Lord just led one step at a time. And now here we are 15 and a half years later. But who's counting? Go hang out your shingle, man. But don't walk in here and think you're just going to jump the system. And it's shocking how spiritual they get. It's shocking how godly they get. Well, we're not shocked because that's how the devil works. Verse 16, I say again, let no man think me as a fool. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do this. If otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast a little, uh, boast myself a little. So now he's going to start bragging. And he doesn't want to do it. And he's saying, I don't want you all to think I'm a fool. But if foolishness is what you seem to go for, then if this foolishness is going to help you, I'll humiliate myself and be an idiot about this thing when I don't want to be. If it'll help you pull your head out of the mud you got your head stuck in and get a brain about this. Get these guys off your back. Get away from these false teachers. Watch. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord. See that? Inspired by God to say that. In other words, he's saying this ain't the smartest way to talk. This ain't necessarily the way God wants me to talk. But as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. So he's like, I don't want to boast, but here we go. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I'll glory also. Okay, since you guys like their flesh so much, here we go. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. He's obviously being sarcastic. I told you, he's upset. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. That's what they pay for the buildings these guys build. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're all after your money, and you all know they're after your money, and you go anyways and give them your money. See that? 
You suffer it. They put you into religious bondage and you suffer it. Why do you put up with that stuff? And if you suffer that stuff, why are you coming after me? That's what he's saying. You put up with these kind of guys, but you have a hard time following me? You're not making any sense at all. How come people can't get this stuff? Sometimes I'm just, I just don't know why they can't. Shake them like, we just want to give you the Bible. That's what we want. We want to help you draw closer to the Lord. Why can't you come be a part of us? Why is it not okay to just come sit down and grow in the Lord and let God develop you and do whatever God's... We're not putting you in bondage. If you come here for a while and you do get where you need to get and then God moves you on, then God moves you on. That's great. You're not in bondage. No, this ain't Pharaoh up here. The only time I don't let you go is when I preach too long. You know what I mean? Eventually that ends too. Verse 21. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I'm bold also. <coughs> Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now he starts telling you how he can say that. Now look, he was more. Paul did do more for the Lord than all the guys in the ministerial association. Paul did more for the Lord than all the guys that hire teams to do all their work. And what they do is they have board meetings and they tell everybody what to do and how to do it and then go golfing. Like a good salesman, you know, they're networking on the golf course, you know. Uh, Paul, 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 Paul was answering his own phone, counseling his own people in, in their lives, taking care of his own business, preaching the meetings he was supposed to be preaching, ministering to the churches he was supposed to be ministering to. And Paul was ministering to a lot. We'll see it. We'll burn through these last few verses. <coughs> it won't take long. But Paul's like, they, they brag about all they're doing with their big parking lots and their huge salary and their, you know, their huge salary budgets and all the rest of that stuff. I am more. Are they Hebrews? So I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I am more. Verse 23. In labors more abundant, and he was. In stripes above measure. While they're all getting raises, he's getting beatings. In other words, above measure... He's like, I, I've had so many, I can't count. I am telling you, this man had a tremendous amount of health problems. He, he, you talk about a bad back. Could you imagine? After getting beat as much as he got beat, the scar tissue and that scar tissue, you guys know about scar tissue, right? That stuff grows in. My uncle had a surgery in his 20s. He had three foot of his colon removed from colon cancer. And uh, he just had a surgery again last year, I think it was, because that scar tissue had grown in there and, and just made such a mess out of his intestines, he had another huge surgery. Can you imagine Paul's back? Whew. And Paul wasn't popping pills to cover it up. In prisons, more, more frequent. Nowadays, that's what everybody's paranoid about. All the preachers are paranoid about it. They're going to go to prison. They're going to go to prison. You can't say that. Sooner or later, they're going to be coming after us. We're going to go to prison. I was like, yeah, I was in and out of prison. I'm a jailbird, man. <laughs> it's kind of cool, ain't it? <clears throat> I don't want to go to prison ever in my life. I'm, 
if I ever go to prison, you got to pray, pray, pray for me because I do not do well being in closed spaces. But, but I mean, ain't that kind of cool? For what? Preaching the gospel and caring about people's souls. For loving Jesus Christ. They hated him. They hated him, man. That's what it probably is going to mean in the next 20 years to be a preacher, just so you know, guys. Um, unless you compromise like a coward. And death's oft. That's a weird one. They stoned him one time, dragged him out of the city, left him for dead. He got up and walked back in the city and started preaching. <laughs> That's cool as ice, man. That <laughs> to me is so cool. I <laughs> think, like, wow. Dripping blood, face all swelled up. Oh, man, let's go back in there and preach against fellas. What is wrong with him, man? He loves God. And that's a guy I could follow. Uh, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Just told you about that. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day, 24 hours, I've been in the deep. Traveling to preach the gospel. And that's what he's getting for it. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. Floods. Are, I mean, he just talked about being in the deep. So this isn't deep. It's got to be something else. Floods. Trying to cross raging rivers. God only knows what. In perils of robbers. Paul's out there traveling old-fashioned style. And, and, and gangs of dudes are out there. Robbing them? In perils of robbers. Yeah, who said the Bible's boring? Somebody doesn't read it. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. Told you his back hurt, didn't I? Wore out. Absolutely wore out. Weary. In watchings often, more than likely that's staying up and praying. Lay down to sleep, can't sleep. Back hurt and killing him, so he gets up and does all the watches of the night. And so just get up and pray. Which, well, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray unless you enter into temptation. Paul's like, I was up praying while those guys were sleeping off all the food they ate last night. And a couple of social beers the preacher had with some of the people, you know. And I, I was up, I was praying. Because I had stuff on my mind, stuff on my heart. In hunger and thirst, in fastings often, that's him choosing not to eat to get a hold of God. In cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, you jump on the nakedness thing, you know, what's that all about? Well, you think that they, when they threw him in prison, they really cared what he was wearing? <laughs> After they ripped his clothes off to beat his back, humiliate him, throw him down in a dungeon somewhere, freezing cold. Think about that. Serving Jesus. Besides those things that are without, that was all the without stuff. That which cometh upon me daily. What came on him daily? Daily. The care of all the churches. Daily. Taking care of people. Those churches he'd gone out and planted. The, the pastors that are left there, the younger guys he's training, and they're in those churches Obviously, they weren't calling him, but the modern-day application would be blowing his phone up, taking care of him, trying to take care of him, trying to make sure everything's all right, 
making his rounds, getting back to the churches, trying to make sure everything's all right, trying to find out what problem's going on over there at this time. Now, now it's some guy in the church sleeping with his stepmom, and you got to get in there and take care of that, and they're carnal, and they're divisive, and now my next swing around, now they got some false teachers in there undermining me and my authority, and now here's the problem, and over here there's another problem, and Galatia is a different problem, and Ephesus is a different problem, and he's trying to take care of them to present them as a chaste version to Christ. Verse 29, we're almost done, just a couple more minutes. Who is weak and I'm not weak? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get it. Who is offended and I burn not? Paul, Paul got offended? Yeah, he got offended. Walk in exhausted and have somebody say, you know, something stupid to him at the wrong time. Just like you, just like me. On top of all this stuff, Paul's just as human as you and I and dealt with all the little stuff that we deal with. If I must needs glory, I'll glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Isn't that crazy? Paul's given them his credentials, and he doesn't tell them about Gamaliel. He doesn't tell them about his success in the world before he became the preacher man that he is now. He doesn't brag about all the stuff. He's, this is Paul's credentials for the ministry. Sacrifice, labor, pain, blood, sweat, and tears. And he said, and if you guys want to glory in the flesh, this is what I glory in. I used to be a couple inches taller than I am. Oh, he's weak. His bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Well, if you had your ribs broke as many times as I've had mine broke. You see how small he is? Yeah, I'm hunched over now because I can't stand up straight because all the cotton picking scar tissue in my back. For you. For Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel, and you're listening to this doofus, what's wrong with you? He didn't even give him all the stuff he could have given him. God chose me personally. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel before that. I was a very successful, powerful man in the world. Since you, he's not given those aren't those aren't the credentials Paul's given him. Paul Paul's Paul's glory is in his infirmities. Because boy, when you're weak, then you're strong. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Nothing he said was a, was a hyperbole. Nothing he said was made up. It was all a straight truth. In Damascus, it's at the beginning of his ministry now. In Damascus, the governor under Artis, the king kept the city of the Damascus with a garrison <coughs> desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall. Not escaped his hands. <laughs> At the beginning of his ministry, they surround a city trying to get Paul, and they're letting him down out the window out of a basket. And he's like, well, if this wouldn't mean to be a preacher, I guess I'm going to just have a wonderful life. Here we go. Why? Because he loved Jesus Christ to want to present them as a chaste virgin to Christ. A real preacher. Credentials for the ministry. So when somebody comes along and puts up some beautiful little YouTube page and makes himself look super, super smart with all of his credentials and has this amazing background and all the wonderful graphics and amazing video and starts confusing your mind and corrupting your mind and getting so deep and amazing with clickbait, you need to stop and say, I wonder what his life looks like. I wonder if he's in his mom's basement making an amazing video. There's a whole lot more to serving Jesus Christ 
than just somebody coming in and impressing you with all their knowledge. And Paul lays it out for us pretty clear. And guess what? He's our apostle. So when you get your doctrine, you get it from that man to this day. So keep that in mind when somebody comes along and tries to drag you off in a false doctrine. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed.